0: You're listening to a Southern Star Media Production.
1: Hello and welcome to the Southern Star's Coronavirus Podcast. I'm the news editor Siobhan Cronin.
0: And I'm the editor Con Downey.
1: And each week we'll be talking to people at the centre of the COVID-19 crisis in West Cork and beyond. We'll also take a look at that week's Southern Star newspaper and how our reporters across the region are covering the pandemic and other news. This week, we will also have some lovely music from a local choir that has made a great video for YouTube. Also in this week's podcast, I will be talking to three people involved in tourism who will discuss the challenging future for the sector in West Cork. But first, Con, let's take a look at this week's paper.
0: Yes, uh, Siobhan, well, this is it. Um, The front page lead is about uh, cocaine in West Cork. And inside there is a very good um, two page feature, mainly written by uh, Kieran O'Mahony. And it delves into the whole scenario with cocaine in West Cork, which is becoming uh, the drug of acceptance, according to Inspector uh, Dave Callan, who is the head of the drug squad in Bandon for West Cork. Now, they have put a lot of resources into. uh, tackling drugs here and um they, the Garda shikona set up uh operation uh, Tara which uh, is in in every there's a drugs um uh squad in every division now and uh they have in West Cork alone they have eight uh CAB uh profilers and uh, these are people who are looking Uh, At people who are flaunting wealth uh, to see if they're involved in the drugs trade. And they have made a number of successful uh, seizures uh, of uh, not just cocaine, but also assets. In terms of cocaine seizures over the last, um, since the start of last year, uh, there's been over 170,000 euros worth of uh, cocaine seized from various people around West Cork. And of course, then we've also had uh, the smuggling aspect of it studied over. The past ten years, maybe longer, uh, we've had um, big multi-million seizures from yachts off the coast. And in fact, uh, there's a reference in the piece to the fact that the young offenders' uh, film was originally sparked by the um, this big, huge seizure in um, Dunlock Bay, just off the Mizen Head. So you know, there's um, there, there's a lot involved in it. But uh, we had. Um, uh, there's a lot. There's been a lot of convictions as well too, and uh, uh, Inspector Callahan warned about the fact that uh, young people are going into this blindly and uh, uh, not caring where the money is going. In fact, uh, Judge McNulty said that um, the money people uh, give in buying cocaine is um, supporting uh, a, a really murderous enterprise, and it's putting money into and profits into the. Uh, pockets of, uh, um, of of dangerous men so uh, there has been a lot um, of, of talk about cocaine and uh, this is all reflected of course we also have the um, Tabor Lodge um, who are it, um, yeah. the yeah. other side of it as well too yeah. dealing with people with, with, with addictions so yes there's a, there's a lot of reading in this two page special in the paper so uh, worth getting the paper just for a read of that alone
1: Absolutely, and uh, the the lead story there makes mention of of the families who have to take out loans, you know, to pay yes. for, for drug deaths, probably as a result of intimidation by by drugs gangs, and um, and that how that that used to be an issue in Dublin and Cork, but it's actually infiltrating everywhere now. At this stage, it's no longer a preserve yeah. of the big cities.
0: That's it. And Inspector Callan also says that a debt that um, could start at three thousand could end up costing 7,000 a day, uh, pushers add on extra interest and whatever else to it. At the end of
2: the week. Yes,
0: exactly, exactly, which is frightening, especially for the families who have to go and bail out uh, and the the people involved and take loans to do so.
1: Yes, and uh, there's also a story that... Kieran Omani broke exclusively last week on our social media platforms and that was that uh, Councillor Paul Hayes had resigned from Sinn Féin so we're following up on that again this week, Con.
0: That's right, uh, there was a very good interview with um, uh, Paul uh, on um, in, the, in the paper and Uh, He tells the background to why he left Sinn Féin and I suppose the nub of the matter is that he didn't manage to get uh, a Shannon nomination, a nomination to run for the Shannon. And uh, this hugely disappointed him after he going so close in uh, the general election to uh, getting elected. And um, it is ironic that Sinn Féin haven't got any representative or haven't had any representative in West Cork for years because West Cork was the hotbed of uh, Sinn Féin um, representation uh, way back around the time of the War of Independence with people like Michael Collins and so on like that. And um, no, there isn't um, anybody um, in the area. There's only one. Uh, Sinn Féin councillor on the Cork County Council now that Paul uh, Hayes has stepped aside. Now, he has uh, decided he's going to complete his term as a county councillor under the independent banner. But no doubt, some of the parties will be looking to um, poach him if they possibly can, because he seems to be a very popular sort of a guy around the place and uh, would be a good asset to any party, really.
1: A very good operator at council level too, I think, and a uh, yes. very um, high profile in the community, especially in the court Mactim League area. That's right. And... Also, uh, there's a lovely, from the same area, I suppose, really, there's a nice picture of Margaret Crowley's 100th birthday in a time of social distancing. That's right, yes.
0: uh, Margaret uh, Crowley celebrated her 100th birthday last uh, Friday, and uh, the community really rode in together to make it memorable. Obviously, because of uh, cocooning and social distancing, it wasn't possible to have a proper uh, party. No doubt that'll follow it later date but um, there was a presentation made to her by the local community council and people gathered outside her house uh, where she sat out at the door and then there was a big cavalcade of uh, cars passed by then at um, uh, mid-afternoon then on uh, Friday to let the people of the area give a chance to uh, uh, extend their best wishes to her so uh, it was probably the next best thing to the party.
1: Exactly. And it's gorgeous pictures there by Martin Walsh yes. and a few inside as well, I think. There's also a story on the front, Con, about the pubs. Now, the, it's been very high profile, the campaign by the Vintners, the two main Vintners organisations, about getting the pubs maybe open a bit earlier than the government is planning. But interestingly, uh, the people we spoke to in West Cork, publicans, are not that keen on going back too early.
0: Yeah, the problem there uh, is that uh, the smaller pubs would have huge difficulty uh, fitting a lot of people into them with uh, the social distancing requirements that would still exist. Um, it's fine for some of the bigger pubs in Dublin and cities and bigger towns, especially the ones that do food. But uh, most of the pubs around here um, do not have a food trade. And uh Policing the um, restrictions would definitely uh, be a step too far for most publicans because, like, not only would they be taking responsibility for themselves, they'd probably have to maybe employ a bouncer at the door. Maybe it might. They might, it might only be possible to let 10 or 12 people in, and then when the next 10 or 12 come along, they'll have to be refused, which um, publicans uh, feel isn't fair. And they'd also have to be policing the, the toilet area as well, so uh, the extra costs involved in that, and... Also, the making distinctions between people uh, sort of runs against the whole ethos of most uh, small pubs, family-run pubs. So uh, they're not in a hurry uh, to reopen. I mean, they probably will have to maybe wait until a vaccine is found, which could be a long, long time away. It probably won't be before the end of this calendar year. So... It means that um, these pubs um, will will, will probably stay closed until it's safe to reopen. I think, in fairness to all the publicans, they're not motivated by money, but I think by health concerns. Mm,
1: Absolutely. And uh, on another political story there on page three, we have that interesting story about Minister Jim Daly. Now, he's saying he hasn't been sidelined by Simon Harris, but anyone who knows, Jim will know he's been unusually quiet over the last few months. He he did say he was resigning before the election, but he's still actually in situ as the junior health minister. Yeah. And uh, he's just saying that the uh, there was a government decision for the junior ministers not to basically get involved to muddy the message. But I did notice that Patrick O'Donovan, the junior finance minister, has been quite vocal in the past few days. So I'm not sure what the story is with that, but but Jim is doing something else in the meantime, isn't he, Con?
0: That's right. Uh, he's volunteering as a kitchen porter in Clannacilty Community Hospital, which is very admirable. And um, I suppose, like, uh, he's in a very invidious position because he didn't go for election. He's no longer a TD. And technically, he is still um, the Minister of State uh, for mental health and older people. And um, I think the alone uh, charity uh, which deals with the elderly, has been saying that um, he's uh, conspicuous by his absence, really, and that there needs to be uh, more coming from his side of the department. But as you said, it seems that um, while he hasn't been sidelined, he hasn't been allowed to do any media interviews uh, by that's being that's the preserve now of just a few of the senior ministers and the Taoiseach. So um, maybe the scenario with um, Patrick O'Donovan is uh, he was the um, junior minister to Shane Ross, who wasn't uh, re-elected. So maybe maybe that's why he's doing it, um, it in the absence there, of Shane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. There's also a, a concerning story from the Castletown berry area about a trawler crew that tested positive for COVID-19.
0: That's right. This trawler came in around the third week of April and unloaded its cash, catch in, in Bear and went off again. But by the time they got back to Spain, uh, the captain and about six crew had um, been had come down uh, with the COVID virus. Now it seems that uh, none of them uh, stepped on shore when they were in Bear unloading the catch, which is a good thing. And the department. Without specifying, it says that all the protocols were observed, but uh, that didn't uh, stop the uh, local fishermen's organisation in Castleton Bear. Um, Patrick Murphy, the head of that, um, is quite angry that there is a bit of a grey area there as regards uh, what the true protocols are uh, with uh, people coming in. Um, off uh, if if they come in off fishing boats, and um, so he wants clarification from the department about that, you know, and uh, that's that's no harm because people seemingly can still come into the country on flights and boats and go where they like, which like isn't going to help in the stopping the spread of the virus. So he yes. is right.
1: And it is, I think, the most recent stats show that it is the biggest port. I think it overtook Killebeggs last year as the biggest fishing port. And obviously he's saying that the trade lines need to be kept open. So therefore, those working there need to be kept safe.
0: Yes, they have to be protected, yeah, definitely.
1: There's uh, kind of the the other side of the um, social distancing and the hospitality trade is represented in a, a piece there by Emma Conley on page. For But the restaurants, so two very high-profile restaurants have come out in West Cork saying they want to open earlier and that That's they right. can for social distancing.
0: That's right, yeah. the Pilgrim's Rest in Ross and the Bastion in Kinsale They seem to, uh, you know, they, they really are between a rock and hard place because the two months of July and August are where they make the majority of their money for the year. And if they're not allowed to open... Uh, during that period, um, it seems there's um, them and maybe other restaurants might not reopen next spring uh, because of that. And um, uh, it, their sentiments have been echoed by a few hoteliers as well, including uh, Neil Grant, the general manager of the Kiltie Ross Hotel in Ross Carberry, and Michael O'Neill Jr. of Fernhill House uh, Hotel in Clannock because they really, um, uh, they they had come true, uh the the quietest part of the year we would say from november to february when when the covid-19 hit in march and um no the likelihood of not being able to open properly in the summer is 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 getting to them and uh, they're hoping the government will look more favor- favorably the restaurants association of ireland have come up with a uh, plan or with the proposals that they're putting to government. And they hope that this might uh, persuade the government to uh, look on reopening earlier more favourably.
1: Right. And then there was another story there that caught my eye. It was um a, a nice one from the Heritage Centre in Skibbereen that they've put some genealogy records online that weren't heretofore available. They're um, registers from graveyards around the area and they just make the point that a lot of people, I suppose especially diaspora, have time on their hands. They're going online to find out a little bit more about their families and they're finding that this is available and they're just making the point that um, they've made it very accessible. They have a little video on how to search the database on skipheritage.com I think is the address. Um, So that's just a nice story for anyone who's interested in tracing some family history.
0: That's right, G- genealogy is uh, huge you now and as you said, while people are in lockdown they are going, they are going to um, uh, have more time in their hands and uh, there is a lot of interest especially from abroad in uh, tracing relatives and uh, where they're buried and so on like that so it's a fantastic um, initiative by Skibreen Heritage Centre and um, as you said, it's, it's user-friendly as well because of the uh, video that shows people how to operate the, the database and uh, makes it uh, quite easy for people of all ages to have a look at that. So it's uh, as you said, iskberianheritage is the um, is the address, as far as I know. So worth checking out.
1: Absolutely, Con. In the second section, the life section, was there anything there that caught your eye?
0: Yeah, I think the uh, story on the front page about the um, summer Irish courses uh, not going ahead this year, uh, it employs um, in our catchment area in Cape Clear and also in Ballangary. Uh, in the Moon in Ballangary has been going since 1904, and I think this is the first time in its 116-year history, uh, including like two world wars, that it hasn't uh, gone ahead, and then, and, and that has big implications for a, a small village like Ballangary because of the fact that it brings in uh, over the course of the of the summer about 170 students, and of course uh, parents and so on. That come to bring them there, collect them there. They spend a few bob locally in the shops and the pubs and things when they're there. And uh, as well as that, then there's the jobs aspect. Um, there's about 30 people involved between teachers and their assistants and cooks and cleaners and so on like that uh, involved in each of the courses and the majority of those come from the local area. So the loss of the course in Ballangary is a big um, loss indeed and also in Cape Clear um, they would have about 140 students between the three courses that they do in um, Cape Clear. And um, the youngsters, when they come there every summer, they bring a bit of uh, vibrancy to the island. And again, you have the economic effect on that because of uh, the ban of teas and so on like that, that um, keeps students in both places. So it's it's not um, uh, a great thing to happen. Uh, the college in... Um, Colas de Pueblo, Clara has been going since 1967. So it's 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 the first time again that that, that has been um, shut down for a year, you know. So it really is a big um, loss, not just the island, but as well, you have an offshoot as well for uh, Baltimore and so on like that, where people Absolutely, are coming through yes. there on their way to the island, ferrymen, everything.
1: That's right, because I think that there were... Um there was four ferries operating in the past there and they're saying about standing down three of them and and just operating one if they can with social distancing. But they also make the point, um, Martina Wayloid from from the um, local community group there says, you know, not to forget that a lot of of the courses were booked out and the deposits have been paid and they have been using some of that money, you know, to prepare for the season. Mm -hmm. So that money has to be refunded now. So they're looking for some government support for that as well. As West Cork grapples with the idea of a new normal, which will have a massive impact on its tourism industry, I'm joined today by three people who all have skin in the game, as the saying goes. Helen Collins of the Taste of West Cork Food Festival is in Skipperine. Neil Grant is manager of the Celtic Grass Hotel in Ross and a former chairman of the Cork branch of the Irish Hotels Federation. And recently elected TD for Fianna Fáil in Cork southwest, Christopher O'Sullivan is in Clannacilty. Helen, you're chair of the Taste of West Cork Food Festival, which, as we know, is one of West Cork's premier festivals now, and it takes place every September. So tell me, what's going to happen this year?
3: Well, the difficulty is that uh, we would be at our most busy at this point of the year, from, say, January into May, uh, with the programme coming out in probably late June. But, of course, the, the awfulness for this year is that When we were ringing around all the restaurants earlier on uh, before this actual lockdown, people were scared and didn't know what their future was going to be. And of course, now since the lockdown, um, there is no business. And um, it was too hard to ask people to try and commit um, to September. And particularly when we didn't know whether we were going to be able to uh, meet at all or be in a restaurant in September. Obviously, that has all become much clearer now in the last um, few days and hopefully the programme will hold and we will be back in operation from late June onwards. So our plan for this year was to kind of change the approach. Um, We can't do the Taste of West Cork as we would normally do it. So we are instead preparing for uh, Tourism Ireland a directory of... um, all events around West Cork, which will be safe events um, with social distancing, obviously things like walks um, being on the water, snorkeling, boating, surfing, um, to name a few, um, will all be available safely for families. And I know a lot of the boat owners and they, the whale watching boats are adapting their boats with perspex and so on and so forth to make it all safe for families um, so that they will take maybe one unit at a time um, I live in Baltimore. Uh, even in the lockdown, we're having an amazing experience because we have a Michelin star chef down at the bottom of my hill who is doing incredible dinners uh, over the weekend for 20 euro ahead. We have Glebe Gardens supplying food. We have the Jolly Breeze with pizzas. We have Casey's Hotel supplying fantastic prawns and so on. So even in the lockdown, we have an incredible food scene going on in Baltimore. And obviously, when um, things open up more, and uh, restaurants open up more, and that whole uh, food scene can be expanded in a different way to make it safe for people so that people can stay home this summer and really enjoy West Cork. I'm really confident that we can get um, a fantastic array of services uh, together.
1: So the bottom line is the festival is going ahead on the same dates. Am I right?
3: Um, I think the festival in its current form, um, in the form that we have known it up until now, will not be proceeding in September because the amount of work that would be required couldn't just take place during the months of um, February, March, April and May. But something will so, be bit- um, I'm sure we will put together um, a, a, something special in bijou now that we know that we can be open. And, um, you know, we we have so many fantastic supporters here. They're already willing and able, uh, the participants in the locality, to step up once it becomes clear exactly what can be achieved. So, we yes, we will be doing it probably in a slimmed down version, but we will be spreading ourselves and our promotions and our events and make them available to people during July, August and September.
1: Okay, so So you may even be a bit of a bellwether for what's going to happen to the food industry in West Cork, given that September is good timing. Hopefully we'll be really getting back to some kind of a new normal then and people will be keeping a close eye on probably how you're organising it
3: well i i would say in one sense we're in the in our traditional format we'll be slimming ourselves down but in a different format we'll actually be really expanding ourselves um so it will be very interesting you're absolutely right um to see how that july august september concept of available services and food um offerings will work out into the future
1: right now as a sector as a whole, how do you see the future of food in West Cork? There's probably two prongs to it. There's the service end of it, the restaurants, the cafes. There's also the suppliers and the producers. Do you think this is a good opportunity maybe for those producers to do something different and get in ahead of the act?
3: Well, West Cork is an amazing place. And I have no doubt that Christopher and uh, Neil will agree with me fully in that. And uh, people in West Cork are incredibly flexible. They're highly intelligent. They're very innovative. And I have no doubt we will make the very, very best of our learnings um, from this extraordinary event of COVID-19. I sincerely believe we will survive and survive well because we will reinvent ourselves. And I think what will emerge out of it will be um, what West Cork is really best at. And that is being brilliant, to be honest with you. So on that note...
1: Neil, talk to us a little bit about the hotel sector because it's going to be very challenging for you, I'd imagine, when you do reopen. How are you going to? What's the hotel of post COVID nineteen going to look like?
4: I think uh, I think it's going to be a real challenge. Uh, I think the great thing about tourism and hospitality is we've always been really adapting uh, and and kind of flexible, and we've come through many crises before. But this is one like no other. Uh, so I think that the, the big uh, challenge you you have is uh, there's a cash flow challenge because unfortunately if you'd given uh, any hotelier this scenario eight months ago and said this incident is going to happen this global event is going to happen when is the worst time in the year it could possibly happen you would have said March because you're coming out of four or five loss making months where cash flow is tight and then you're going into Patrick's weekend and it's a nice boost and it gets you going then you've got Easter and again that's a two good solid weeks of family business you then go into the may bank holiday weekend and the june bank holiday weekend and you're really you're cooking on gas then and then you've got this really the summer in its entirety is is seven or eight weeks of bumper summer months and you're making your 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 money there and actually once you get beyond september then very much it's becoming loss making again and you're sustaining yourself through the winter so the timing has been uh, woeful. Uh, so, whatever we do, and we will come up with ways to uh, to get through it, it's uh, the challenge is now that the new normal for us is actually staff wearing PPE for different kind of uh, uh, tasks that they carry out. Uh, you know, in the kitchen, I'm sure it will be face masks and and uh, and such like. And uh, you know, there's even talk in the front of house that you'll need to wear face masks and gloves at all times. Um, in terms of crowd control, we're a busy hotel. Anyone who drives past the Celtic Ross comments on how busy the car park is. Um, we're a social hub in lots of ways. We're going to have to restrict that, which is the sad thing about it, because we physically will not be allowed or able to to take in the volume that we, we uh, you know, sometimes have taken in and dealt with very well. But because of social distancing, we'll be... Uh, only able to take a fraction of the business. So we'll need to start managing that from the moment the car enters the car park and we control the parking that, that is, and how it works. And then we'll need to control the number of entrances. In the past, we've got a hotel entrance, a bar entrance, a leisure centre entrance. We'll need to try and kind of uh, contract them into one or two entrances maximum and try and segregate our guests. So that's going to be a manpower issue as well uh, because it'll cost more money uh, and more labor labor is already 42 percent of our our uh, our operating costs 42 percent of our revenue uh, or 43 percent of our revenue in some cases in hotels and so then to have to manage that and and take in less less business you know there's going to be a lot of juggling of sums as to how, how you make it all uh all work out um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting, I'll say. I'm not for uh, being gloom and doom. That's the that's the challenges we have. That's the hand we're dealt. Um, we are within the process of building our SOPs so that we have operating procedures that we work by. Because, number one, when guests do come back, they want to know that they're safe. They want to know I'm coming to a hotel. This hotel is on their game. They've got every process in place so that I can relax and enjoy myself. I still, whether it's from behind a mask or if for some reason we can operate in a manner without masks, you know, the smile is still there, you know, and and the warmth of the the welcome is still there. And, you know, we're just trying to think now of creative ways that irrespective of what's thrown at us, how do we ensure that the, the Irish hospitality, the West Cork hospitality is to the fore? and and so that's that's the space we're in but it's um i think with it being late july you know where we'll be running out of time a little bit with regards to the cash flow end of it so right. it will be a challenge well,
1: that that brings me nicely on the talk of cash flow to uh christopher probably i know you spoke recently in the dole christopher about tourism in west cork and you had a pretty uh frightening figure there of it, it, that the that the uh, sector had employed 6,000 people and now we're down to 400 in the sector. So you've also mentioned VAT in your speech. Now, I know that the um, a lot of the organisations are looking for a reduction to 0% VAT for at least 12 months and also supports as regards um, rents. Um, so how do you think you're going to be able to help your constituents, basically, when, if and when Fianna Fáil do sign a, a deal to go into government?
5: Okay, well, um, that's a a way off yet, but we'll uh, we'll get to that. Um, But in terms of the supports, I think um, when we're thinking about what supports and what measures we need to take, we need to listen to the industry, we need to listen to the likes of Neil, we need to listen to the likes of Helen, who know this industry inside out. Uh, And they have some quite simple, basic, straightforward, but common sense requests. Uh, And one they've been calling for from the very start is the 0% VAT rate during the course of the pandemic, the gradual um I suppose co- co- to come back to the nine percent. Um and I was delighted that that's something I called for in the Dáil yesterday. I finally got back into the Dáil Chamber, which was great. And I was glad that I got to speak on tourism, which is a a topic that I've been passionate about since the you know, since my days in the Clonicilty Chamber of Commerce. But um I was delighted to hear the minister, uh, Brendan Griffin, uh state quite clearly that he agreed with the zero percent VAT rate. The issue is Unfortunately, because tourism isn't a dedicated ministry, he's not at cabinet. Um, But that was a significant statement from him to say that he agreed with the 0% fat rate. Um, But something that I called for yesterday, and I think I was the only TD to do so, um, is a specific and um, sizable grant aid package. And the reason I'm calling for that for the tourism uh, sector in particular is that... um, Tourism SMEs, okay, there are um, finances there. There's low interest rate loans, etc. But tourism-related small and medium-sized businesses are finding it the hardest of any business to access finance from the banks. The reason are the banks are questioning their viability uh, and they're putting them in a high-risk category. So they're having to go through this rigmarole and red tape and bureaucracy and they're coming out with nothing. So that's why um, I'm, I requested yesterday for sizable grant aid to Put money in the pockets of these business owners so that they can pay staff, so that they can retain staff, and they can keep their businesses afloat. Um, they're just some of the measures. There was a lot more measures mentioned yesterday, but I think, uh, uh that, that's for you know that, that you could have a whole debate about what what can be done, you know.
1: Well, I suppose one of the other questions is probably the the PUP payment, you know, the, the pandemic payment of 320 odd is it for uh people who are out yeah. of work, 350. And, um, how long that you think we can sustain paying that because that is quite vital. I think even beyond maybe September for some companies. Is yeah, there any hope? And, uh, uh, look, it was, it I, I was
5: delighted to hear the Taoiseach today um, state that he expects the um, uh, PUP to be extended beyond mid-June yeah. when it was originally intended to be stopped. Um, also, I uh, heard him make a statement when he made a recent appearance on the Late Late Show. Uh, that's how I get my news now from the t <laughs> Um When he said that he would look at it on a sector by sector business business, uh, ba- um, I suppose basis so that tourism look we can all agree here I think while we are adaptable and we are here in West Cork we're very innovative. We do have the longest road back um, in terms of yeah. recovery so it's going to have to be looked at differently to the, to the other sectors. Um, so whether it's extending the PUP, whether it's introducing that significant grant aid that I spoke about, um, just giving them access to finance, um, you know, because 2020 has been an economic write-off. As Neil rightly said, they've come from the um, dreary months of January and February into an economic lockdown in March. Um, You know, I really do sympathise. But as Helena said, and as Neil said, we're adaptable, we're innovative. Um, And then if they listen to us here in West Cork, I think we can we can set the template for how the West of the country can come out of this, you know.
1: And that brings me nicely back to Helen, because you've often spoken about the brand West Cork, Helen, and you're a great um, <clears throat> ambassador for West Cork as a brand. How do you see that we could be a little bit innovative here in that others maybe can learn from what we can do post-COVID? Or have you been in contact with any other big tourism areas to see what they're doing?
3: I I have actually been in contact with Niall Gibbons, uh, CEO of Tourism Ireland. And um, it's always wonderful talking with Niall because he's so positive and so energetic. And he is so determined to really turn this around and and turn it into something good. And it's as a result of my conversation with him and Sean O'Driscoll that um, we are putting together these packages of what is safe and good and available for this summer? Because I think the require, I think people are desperate to come on holidays to West Cork. I think if, if you asked the entire of Ireland if they could come to West Cork in the morning, I'd say they would be in their cars and down the road. But people need to feel, as, as Neil put it, they need to feel they're going to be safe. And if we can provide practical solutions to their safety, I think they will be here for the summer. I think they will be here because it's going to be economic. Um, I saw today oh. that there was some talk of staycation vouchers There was a call for those, which would be absolutely brilliant. And I think if we give them the means, that's why I want to do this directory, because I want to be able to say to a family in Dublin or Midlands or wherever, here is what you can do in West Cork. It's actually very simple. You can come and stay with Neil. You're going to be safe in the hotel. And here are a range of activities that the family can do for a whole week. And if you can't get access to restaurants because they're going to be so restricted, I think arrangements need to be made for people to be able to get takeaway food and have a nice place to eat it in because so many brilliant restaurants are providing such excellent takeaway services. So People can stay in self-catering very safely. It's all of those things that are sensible and need to be put in front of families and people who want to go on holidays in Ireland this summer. And I think everybody will want it. We just need to make sure that they see that we have it available, that they see that, they, they, that it is safe and is doable. And I think they will be in their cars and coming to West Cork. I really sincerely believe that. If we give it to them as a practical solution,
1: build, build it and they will come. Basically, is your message?
3: Say it again, sorry. Build, build it and they will come. Is the I, message. I believe sincerely it will happen if we if we if we make it so that it is a good, sensible, and safe package. It will happen. And Christopher, you want to get in there?
5: Yeah, I just and I'm delighted to see this conversation take such a positive yeah. turn because. There's a lot of debate about um, where the tourism recovery will begin first. Will it be in the urban areas of Dublin or will it be in rural Ireland? And I think it should be and and, and um, common sense would say that it will begin in rural Ireland yeah. because that's where we can establish the safest uh, brand of tourism. Um, so yeah. when you think of activities like whale watching, uh, like boating, like going to mizzen head, garnish, uh, maybe golfing mm. on the old head. These are all activities uh, where you can enjoy the scenery and um you can establish safe social distancing. The issue arises, of course, is where do they, people stay? Where do they eat? Where do they go for a drink? And that's where I think the government needs to step in now and give real clear guidance on what measures uh, hotels need to take, what measures restaurants need to take, how far apart their tables should be. Will the solutions that people are coming up with, like the perspex divisions, the yeah. will they suffice? If they get that clear um, guidance now, they can prepare for yeah. maybe salvaging the end of a, yeah. of a of a tourism season. But where better to practice safe social distancing tourism than West Cork? I think there's something there certainly to grasp onto. I
1: think the, the, I the Wild th- Atlantic Way yeah. would probably come into its own possibly as a brand because of that.
3: Absolutely. Neil, you want to get in yeah. there? And also, yeah. I just wanted to ask I, you, Neil, um,
1: j- just before you get in there, yeah. And you may just refer to this. You have been a very good ambassador yourself for bringing in people from abroad. So, are you parking that for the moment? Going to concentrate on this vacation, maybe?
4: Uh, look, I think we've uh, what we have done with the overseas market. I, I one thing I think there is a hint of caution you need to have uh, about completely relying on Ireland and in the domestic market. Is uh, there was eleven million overseas guests almost came from uh, came from far further afield. And we're trying to replace them with four and a half million Irish. Now, at the same time, those four and a half million Irish will do probably all their holidaying in Ireland. So they will potentially take three weeks of holiday in Ireland, where they previously took maybe only a week or, or however many days. So the length of stay will, will expand and will go up. So there is a definite opportunity. I think what Christopher said is key. The urban areas, I think if you're a city centre hotel, you'll be really worried because you're not a traditional holiday destination you know they are very reliant on corporate business which is a, a lot of that can come from overseas so i think for weekends well, we away probably yeah, exactly yeah. you
1: know parties um, from cities in the uk and yeah
4: that. yeah absolutely so i think that they're they're um you know we're probably well placed that we will get a bounce and get a domestic bounce that might well uh, get us through now I love nothing more than showing off West Cork to someone from Holland or from the USA and and so on. I think the USA is a big market and that is a worry. And I think we we don't want to do without that for too long. Um, we've got some good uh, relationships with good operators and the likes of Holland. I spoke to him this morning on a on a Zoom call. Uh, this chap and he brings me over uh, I think five or six hundred people. Uh, uh from uh you know a room night sorry from uh from holland in in a year which is a nice number and they're individual travelers who are fly drive you know they're a nice little bit of business for us that we we don't want to lose so we're going to try and get that back for next year you know but we obviously are probably shifting our focus to predominantly domestic but i don't want to you know the uk is still a close neighbor there is ferry access from the uk if i was travelling tomorrow uh, when i go back to see my family in scotland i'll take the ferry rather than a flight being being straight probably but at the same time if i did take a flight what better airport to go out of than cork it's a nice spacious terminal it's uh, you know you're through it nice and quickly it's not the crowded kind of uh, you know heathrow airport or whatever so i think it'll just be about thinking outside the box with the overseas market that we can choose their route to get there as, as easily as possible. I think direct access will be key. I think if you've got to go through hubs, I think then, you know, we're we'll lose out. So I'm I'm still going to keep an eye on it because it will come back at some point and I think it's short sighted not to. And we want to show West Cork to the world. So we, we do want people from all over the world coming to West Cork. There's no doubt about that. Um so we we'll keep on pursuing it, but certainly it's parked for the moment uh, uh, within reason to to focus domestically. There's no doubt.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, folks. Excellent. And um, best of luck and stay safe.
0: Well, here now we have this week's musical treat. The Island Vibes Choir, founded in 2017 by Neave McCarthy, has over 40 members Most of them came together recently to record a version of Make Your Own Kind of Music and a wonderfully uplifting video which is on the Island Vibes page on YouTube. So take a listen.
1: for listening to the southern star coronavirus podcast don't forget to like share and subscribe to our podcast which is available on itunes spotify youtube acast stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts
0: Thanks for listening to another Southern Star Media podcast production. Stay connected to West Cork by subscribing to our e-paper and support local, quality and trusted journalism. Visit www.subscribe.southernstar.ie